0: Hello and welcome to the St Mungo's podcast and firstly a very happy new year and a happy new decade to you all and I hope 2020 brings you every happiness, peace and joy. This is episode 42 and this is the second part of our HIV and sexual health series. So let's just jump right back in. Okay so let's talk about PEP, we're probably a wee bit more familiar with that. Um, Can you just talk us just the basics? Yeah
1: and PEP is really important in ED I think. Uh, You know PrEP you might get people saying that they're on but PEP is something you will actually give out and manage and that's because people will present and their concern when they present is that they've been exposed to HIV and they want to present, prevent it. So PEP, post-exposure prophylaxis, is a three-drug combination. So there's there's the blue tablet of tenofovir and M-tricytopine and then the third one which is raltegravir which is a pink, pinky red tablet which is taken twice a day. And... Um, the the studies around around pepper are are not huge, but um, it has shown to be effective in some cases. And it and the guidelines say that it should be started as soon as possible, ideally within seventy two hours. Um, but actually, really, what we would say to people is, as soon as you think you've been exposed to HIV, come and access it. Which is why they'll present to ED. And um, the majority of ones who present to ED, and we've looked at this in Glasgow, is with sexual exposure, and the majority of those are MSM. So there are certain criteria, again, based on the, the risk of HIV being acquired through that episode of sex.
0: And we're going to come to that because mm-hmm. that's something I still struggle with a little bit I kind of feel like I still have to go back and look at the book and the diagrams to kind of figure out is it high risk exposure, low risk exposure should I, shouldn't I so we'll see if we can kind of tease that out a wee bit. Um, but we'll stick with the drugs just for a wee second a- anything we need to know in terms of length of duration of course and side effects anything we should be telling our patients
1: so um, the PEP packs in, in any actually at the minute is a five day course to start off with very soon that's going to be changing to seven days and um, and the, the reason behind that isn't 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 that important. But the reason that we do that is because at the end, we want someone to come back and see us. It's a 28-day course in total. And we want someone to come back for a review to check that initial HIV test is negative. So I suppose, again, that's the most important thing I can say. You should not give out HIV post-exposure prophylaxis without doing an HIV test. And that's not to store it. That's... To, to, test to, te- to test it. Because you're giving a drug against HIV and if they happen to be positive, we need to know about that. And I would say that's the same in occupational exposure as well, um, which I know isn't common, but I think it's so important that someone has a baseline negative HIV test if you're giving them these medications. So the medication's 28 days in total. Um, the, the, the tenofovir M-tricytamine, the blue tablet, t- it's taken once a day and the other one uh, twice a day, 12 hours apart. And,
0: and I know that the side effects aren't always very pleasant can you tell me about those or are they getting better they're
1: better i mean this new drug combination that we use most people tolerate it okay sometimes a bit a bit of nausea and um, which does settle and um, or or other side effects that people can but but to be honest the, the older drugs that we used maybe five years ago had much more significant side effects we used to, have to give anti diarrhea meds or anti-emetics with them but we don't need to do that and what anymore. about follow-up yep yeah. so um because of, of possible adverse effects, we do like to check uh, um, renal function and liver function at baseline. What I would say in ED is, if you haven't done that, don't worry. That will be done at follow-up. The most important thing is the HIV test. Um, they should be followed up within that, that first pack. So whether in your hospital they give five days or seven days, the, a follow-up should be arranged before those medications run out. Um in Glasgow and I'm sure in other places it depends what the exposure was. So if it's sexual exposure they'll be followed up at, at the sexual health services and um, if it was another type of exposure it's usually um, infectious diseases or occupational health but usually infectious diseases see them for the duration of PEP and at that time um, we can double check on the renal function, liver function, make sure that HIV test is negative, check other bloodborne viruses so it's really important to check hepatitis B status as well because these medications will, will be active against that and also vaccination um, if if required and Hepatitis C status. Um, and then we would usually follow up somebody at the end or in a few weeks after PEP just to make sure they're doing okay and then HIV tests after that.
0: So how, how soon can you confirm that they've not acquired HIV?
1: So we would... Uh, Do the first test four weeks after the completion of PEP, which is then eight weeks after the exposure. Uh, And that would be an antigen antibody test.
0: And if that's negative, then we're done. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, we're pretty, pretty sure. Our tests are pretty good at that level. We would probably recommend a follow-up after that. We can't check hepatitis B for another two months, uh, or sorry, hepatitis C for another two months. Um, And so we can do an HIV test at that time as well. So that would be 12 weeks after exposure.
0: Okay, so let's let's take you on shift. Is that okay? Great. Times nice. are hard. <laughs> you need a wee locum in A&E. Um, so let, let's go around. You and I are going to go around together and see probably the three commonest uh, kind of types of cases where we um, think about bloodborne virus risk. And I, and I don't know if it's just me. Maybe I'm speaking on behalf of everyone. Maybe I'm not. Maybe it's just me. I kind of feel after all these years, I still don't feel confidently that I can... Um, determine risk and who should definitely get pep and who shouldn't. So anyway, I thought I would take you around and just see how you would manage certain cases, what you would ask, what you would test, what you would do, how would you follow them up? Just very simple. See if, if, if we do it right or if there's anything we can learn. Is that sure. okay? So let's do the first one. So let's, we've been talking about it, sexual exposure. So we've got someone who turns up, young female She's had unprotected sex Didn't really know the person um, And she's worried She's heard about HIV etc So how would you approach this case?
1: So um, it what, what we do Is we try and Make a sort of a risk Balance on On what we think that person As they sit The chances of them acquiring HIV From that episode And the first thing I would say was it can be quite complex and it can take a while, so I wouldn't worry too much about doing that in ED, actually, because I appreciate that, that, that it's not your specialist area and also you're under time constraints. Um, what normally things I would ask anyone who presents is who they had sex with, what they do know about them, so anything about their background, anything they they told them. So for this lady, um, you know... And, do you know any, Do you know anything about him? Is he a friend? Is he nothing? Do you know anything about his history? So, is he Does he have sex with men as well as women, or does he use drugs? And if he uses drugs, does he inject drugs? Um, what type of drugs? And all of those are trying to make me think what that What the chances of that person that she had sex with is of having HIV, uh, and then the type of sex. So, um, oral sex, for example. Extremely extremely low, pretty much is no no risk of transmission. Receptive anal sex, and by that I mean um, uh, being the sort of bottom partner or receiving anal sex, uh, much much higher. Uh, vaginal sex, somewhere in between. And again, being the female in vaginal sex or the male in vaginal sex, slightly different. So um, they're the kind of questions that I would go into probably in quite a lot of detail. Um, in the ED, what I would say is there's probably two camps. There's the Definite, as in, which is usually, and in Glasgow, and we've looked at this, it's usually a male coming saying they have had receptive, so they've been receiver of anal sex, and there hasn't been a condom user, the condom was broken, and they know nothing about the other person. And in that case, um it's pretty straightforward do an HIV test, give the pep, sexual follow up. Um, your case is probably a bit more woolly, as in uh, a, a female in Glasgow, and that would, um, you know, is she heterosexual, is he heterosexual? That would decrease their risk slightly. Uh, ethnic background as well would, would depend on where that person is from originally, but quite a lot of the time the, the person the person presenting doesn't necessarily know and that. And where
0: are the high risk areas you would so, worry about?
1: Well we know that um, African countries have a much higher prevalence of HIV. So if the person was African or had just come from Africa, then that is a lot higher. Um, lower risk is a, a Caucasian heterosexual from Scotland for example Um, but not no risk so it is quite difficult and it is a risk balance and we do spend a lot of time explaining that to people in clinic um, and explaining about the type of risk and we do calculations I wouldn't say that ED should do that actually especially because often it can be 4 or 5 in the morning Um, there are options to ring on call but the drugs that we give for PEP are extremely safe and um, Taking a couple of doses, actually, very few adverse effects. I, th- I would say do an HIV test and give the PEP and get early follow-up, especially for those who you're unsure about. If you're absolutely positive, then you can wait a couple of days and that whole discussion can be had in the sexual health service. So would it
0: be possible to say that, you know, if in doubt, give it, would it ever be stopped at the clinic? Say you had more opportunity to to take a little bit more in-depth uh, discussion. Um, and you felt then that it was lower risk. You could stop oh, it then, is that right? So, so with with side effects being less pronounced now and fairly low risk drug to take, is it fairly? Would you? I wouldn't want you to recommend it, but but would you say it wouldn't be uncommon to kind of err on the side of caution, give it if you feel there's anything that sounds kind of risky about the story?
1: That's my advice to non-specialists. Yes, because it can always be stopped um, after a much more in-depth discussion. Um but if you don't give it and the risk is wrong and, and and actually that person's risk is higher or there's been you know a detail that they've forgotten or they've missed out uh and then it's too late then then you're in, in more trouble. Whereas actually if if you, if it's borderline um and that's why we have these considers in the table. And what I would say if it, if it's a consider in E D Give it, and we can deal with the the details in in the ID or the or the gum clinic afterwards. Or
0: you could also phone a specialist. Yeah. It's, if it's within hours and, and easy to, to yeah, contact I mean, someone.
1: well, hopefully within hours, uh, somebody sh- should be able to present directly to sexual health services. Obviously, I can only speak for Glasgow, but I would imagine that's the same nationally. And um, out of ours, there there will be an ID on call. But I would say most of them would probably say similarly: give it and follow up in in the sexual health services, ideally the next day or the day after, for a much more in depth discussion. And I think that's better for the patient as well. Um, um, because then they are getting uh, probably you know more of a specialist opinion and a, a risk balance on on what their actual risks are of, of bloodborne virus.
0: And follow-up, is it typically self-referral? Now we're speaking of Glasgow um, mainly here, but uh, generally yeah. they, they kind of self-refer or should we be making formal referrals? So
1: we've changed this over the last couple of years in Glasgow because um, we found that, of course, it's going to be people who don't self-refer um, and then... And I think anyone who who presents who has gone to the bother of presenting to ED to be concerned about their HIV risk should have some sort of discussion about harm reduction or ways that they can reduce reduce their risk for HIV and other STIs and bloodborne viruses. So we have changed it slightly so um, that there is a, a an email and a phone number, a secure phone number that at any time of day the the ED doctor can phone and leave the. Uh, securely leave a message or can email a CHI number and then the sexual health service will follow that person up.
0: Okay, so just thinking the real basics, what what tests would you do and and what advice would you give them?
1: So, um, recommended baseline tests include renal function, liver function, um, HIV, hepatitis B and here... um, in our labs, if, if they're core antibody positive, they would automatically go and do surface um, antigen and hepatitis C um, and obviously an HIV test. My advice would be if you're time pressure, if you're not sure, just do the HIV test and then the rest can be done at follow up. But if, if everything else can be done, that that's great. Um, advice I would give them would be um, please ensure you get your follow up and earlier follow up. Best. so although we will actively pursue people from sexual health uh, sorry people who've had sexual exposure to HIV you know if they don't answer their phone or if or or anything then that's going to be more difficult and also try not to worry too much try not to be anxious especially about these gray area ones and my advice to ed staff to tell the patient would be I'm not hundred sure but let's give it it's a it's a pretty safe drug and you can go through the details with the specialist in the morning and that you by giving that drug I would also try and emphasise to them doesn't mean that you think they are definitely going to acquire HIV because there's a lot of anxiety associated with this and we would try and, uh, and manage that as soon as possible
0: I mean you mentioned side effect profile isn't that bad um, anymore but what, uh, would you mention any of them to the patient or
1: I mean uh, it's really difficult because obviously if you read the insert of the medication there's lots there yeah. Um but
0: Commonly speaking, word.
1: yeah, a little bit of nausea, a bit of GI upset would, would be the most the most common ones. Um, remember, we're giving this for a short time as well, and in some cases, we may stop it after a couple of days. Uh, if the side effects are really bad, uh, then then we obviously can can give other medication to try and manage it, like antiemetics and things. But that's really quite rare these days.
0: And I think one of the things to emphasise as well is the the the, the mention of to give it within seventy two hours. But it's it's not. That you can safely give it within any time within seventy two hours. It's actually better given as early as possible. But after seventy-two hours, there's no effect. Yeah. But you gotta give it as early as possible. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And actually what I would do in clinic if someone presented for PEP, often I would um have a very brief chat and in that can decide, yes, I'm gonna give it a normal I would get the drugs, I would give them the first dose and then afterwards I would do everything else you know, take their bloods obviously an our would do the rest of the sexual health screen vaccinate for FB if need be all of those things we've done after I've actually got that first dose Oh wow, of so get it in really early Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, that's, that's a good point Okay, so we go to the next patient next cubicle um, and it's a needle stick injury so it's, let's say it's um, a bin man um, and he's a needle in a bin and he's managed to prick himself in the finger um, what, what would be your approach to that patient
1: so um, yeah I think as, as normal I would get a bit more information from the patient so where he or she was uh, what they were doing at the time where they, when they realised they the injury did they see a needle sticking out of a bin bag what they did about that injury so did they immediately bleed the area um, not suck the wound for example Uh as we're taught after after a needle stick injury, uh, and then we would have a bit of a discussion about about the risk of bloodborne virus acquisition from that. Um, most people who attend are quite anxious, uh, and the fact is that it can be often quite difficult to tell what the chances are of, of there being uh, hepatitis B, C, or HIV infected blood in that needle at the time because we. We don't know much about it um, we know that hiv dies quite quickly outside the body usually within a matter of hours when exposed to air although it can survive a little bit longer in certain conditions and um, hepatitis c can survive longer so we but of course we don't have post-exposure prophylaxis for that so we would do follow-up testing for hepatitis c and um, i think in the emergency department my advice would be to get all that information and if if Well, you can always phone infectious diseases on call uh, for advice. But if there's, again, if there's doubt, um, do the baseline tests and um, give the medication. And then we can have a more in-depth discussion. Uh, Usually these people are followed up in Glasgow in the infectious diseases clinic. And that can be done the next day.
0: And I think I'm getting a sense that that's the vibe here is, you know, there's not a lot of harm to taking it. Um, so if in doubt if there's any risk or perceived risk and you just can't make a clear decision not to give it it's fine to give it and others can make the decision whether to stop it early or not is that fair enough
1: i think yeah that that, that would be my message and um, obviously when you're given any medication we need to double check uh, any other medication that person's taking comorbidities but actually these this particular pep regimen has very few interactions uh, and apart from significant renal failure or liver failure that there's not many uh, contraindications. In those situations, you'd always phone a specialist for advice. But my answer would be, if if you're unsure, unless it's really clear-cut and you think the risk is low, give it and refer quickly in, and hopefully most services will see them within a couple of days and we can kind of work all of that out in the specialist clinic.
0: Okay, so our final case, and we would see this relatively commonly in Glasgow, sadly. Um, so any sort of kind of fight-related Incident, you know, we've I've had recently, you know, human bites, um, you know, blood spatter in the eye, you know, fight bite, you know, they've punched someone in the face and, they, you know, they've, they've um, damaged their knuckles or whatever. So all sorts of ways that, that it could be transmitted. So this is our next patient. What, what, how would you kind of approach this? A, a, any differently or, or much the same?
1: Yeah, much the same as in I try and find as much information out about the incident, about the source uh. Person and what their what we're trying to think about there is what their risk of, of having HIV or another bloodborne virus is at that time, uh, and then about about the wound. So what are the risks of HIV being transmitted through that that wound? Um, so for example, a spitting or uh, is is very very low risk. In fact, no risk. There's been no documented transmission of HIV through spitting. Um, a splash injury, even lower risk, but obviously. The the factors really depend on the sources. If they were HIV positive, how they're viral load and how infectious any fluids that may have made into contact with the patient are. Um, if if there was a a, a puncture wound, so a, a a fight bite or or a bite, um, then again it would depend on the puncture, and again, and as I sort of said before, how deep that was in the recipient was there breaking of the skin, any chance of blood blood transmission or bodily fluids in the source where a viral load has been high enough to transmit HIV? There has been uh, no documented HIV transmissions through biting in in frontline workers, for example, like police and ambulance staff uh, Other transmissions that have been documented are, uh, incredibly aware and work really extreme circumstances. So I would say the risk is low, but that's a very grey area and quite hard to tease out. Um, my advice similarly similarly to ED staff is 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 call an ID consultant on call if that's available to you. Um, and if in doubt, and once you've weighed up the the pros and cons it's okay to give PEP and they can be followed up very quickly in the ID clinic.
0: Do you mind if I just ask you a wee bit more about determining the source risk? Because obviously that can be very hard, particularly when you meet random people in the street. And so what's your thinking there when you're, when you're trying to weigh that up? I presume it's looking at, you know, demographics that have higher prevalence or whatever, but how, how would you approach that?
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly it. So um, you're, you're trying to decide what the chances are of that source person having a bloodborne virus or hiv so that's why we're trying to get um, more information so for example um uh, the prevalence in msm is much higher than in heterosexual couples so that's what why we're trying to ask um that question uh, and perhaps so and currently in glasgow we know that Uh, an injecting drug user in the city centre the prevalence is really very high whereas um, someone who doesn't inject drugs who lives just outside the city centre would would be slightly different if if that makes sense. So what we're trying to do there is to determine the prevalence in that population and therefore the chance of that person being HIV positive. A a good point and something that we we do try and do a lot is if we can test the source patient um, or the source person sorry, then we can Either completely exclude that that risk, or or find that they are HIV positive. Um, so if if it is a sexual encounter, for example, sometimes they will have have contact details, and sometimes ha- we can contact the source patient. Uh, if it's in a, a hospital setting, and the person is an inpatient or has, or an outpatient, quite often we would ask them to 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 try and test. And occupational health would do that type of thing, and that is really important because then we can. That immediately, Often, immediately answers the question. Yeah, yeah, and the person may have been on PEP for five, ten days by the time we get the result, but it, it's still a third of the time they would have been on anyway.
0: And, and how quickly can you get a result from a HIV test these days?
1: Really quickly. So, I mean, if I mean we are literally sitting below the lab. So, if if we wanted one in um, in really urgent settings, we could get it back in a couple of hours. Uh, we normally don't need it to be that urgent in PEPs. In PEPs. Uh, cases, but we can certainly get it back within a couple of days. And their routine tests are within a couple of days.
0: Would it be fair to say in Glasgow, given the recent increase or spike in, in amongst drug users that if someone looks like a drug user would that be considered more of a risk these days is that enough to kind of think that's a higher risk patient i
1: think that's very subjective and <laughs> that is it's a wee, so bit, a wee bit unfair
0: isn't it? yeah <laughs>
1: it's a bit, i mean but
0: you know the reason i ask is because that's happened Do you know i've had patients who've had bad bites or fights and whatever and they've said that you know, I've asked them. Do you know anything about this patient? Do you know if they're a drug user? They look like a drug user. <laughs> that's a bit unfair, um, but there is a look um, to to, um, to 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 heroin use, and, and so I don't know if that's maybe that's maybe <laughs> maybe going into a, a very different territory, maybe a bit awkward. Um, but it, would that be something you could kind of factor in, or I, not, not I really? don't
1: think you can can factor that, and I think you. We, we, we absolutely will gain as much information as we can, the location, how they met that person, what that person was doing at the time, what what uh, conversations were exchanged are all really important. Um, but if they said they didn't look like a drug user, would you take that into consideration? So I think you, you just obviously some of the history taking is more important than others, but all all information is useful.
0: So I think you mentioned it already, but just to emphasise in terms of follow-up, for those three different cases, what, what, what would you like to say?
1: So um, any se- potential sexual exposure to HIV goes to sexual health services um, and they will, will follow that up. Anything else should go to infectious diseases. So the should, referral should be the infectious disease and they'll be followed up in infectious diseases um, department. And that's really important for the patient as well, because if they end turn up in the wrong place, I mean, of course, they'll be seen, but their journey might be slightly more complicated
0: so many many thanks to becky i think my main take home points today are number one pep is a three drug two tablet combination it's a 28 day course and you need to give it as soon as possible but certainly no later than 72 hours from exposure don't give it without doing a hiv baseline test and remember it is a fairly safe therapy to give there are very few drug interactions Side effects are minimal nowadays, typically nausea or some gastrointestinal upset, which is often short-lived or can be managed with antiemetics. And contraindications are pretty much limited to severe renal or liver failure. Number two for all exposures, find out as much as you can about the incident, as much as you can about the source and as much as you can about the wound if there is one and what first aid was done. But remembering ED is not a place for an in-depth risk analysis or risk calculations they can be done later in the follow-up clinics number three in terms of risk for sexual exposures there's virtually no risk from oral sex the highest risk is from receptive anal sex and vaginal sex is somewhere in between for fight related incidents there is no documented transmission from spitting very limited or low risk from splashes and there's been no documented transmission from bites to frontline workers such as police or ambulance crews and in terms of the source the higher risk individuals would include men who have sex with men people from Africa or city center drug injectors particularly in Glasgow and finally number four in terms of management I think we can keep it relatively simple if the incident is deemed definitely high risk then treat with pep If the incident is deemed definitely low risk, then don't treat. If it's somewhere in between, and it often is, if there's any element of risk or any element of doubt, then either contact the on-call infectious disease doctor, or it would be perfectly reasonable to give the PEP, but arrange early follow-up. The risk from one or two doses of PEP is extremely low, but the risk of not giving it to someone who should have got it is a lot worse. So many, many thanks again to Becky Metcalf. Many, many thanks again to you for listening and a very, very happy new year to you. Please visit somemongos-ed.com for lots more educational resources. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you haven't done so already. And until next time, take care.